0: Welcome back to another episode of Checking In. I am super excited uh, to have in studios with us today Barry Johnson and Kevin Johnson. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for
1: having us.
0: So I am very curious. I like to do I like to do a little bit of research, but I actually like to not do a lot of research because I like to learn uh, and ask questions as I'm finding out information i could not find much about you barry so you're super secret (laughs) uh i was able to find information on linkedin and some uh stories and a bit on on ariva so barry can you back up the bus for me a little bit who was and where was uh 22 23 year old barry johnson
2: oh Um, I finished my uh, engineering degree, and then I went and took an MBA at uh, Western University in London, Ontario, which was sort of the Harvard of Canada, where they were all case study.
0: So, you started knowing you wanted to be in development.
2: You know, it's interesting, we had a course there where you had a uh, course called Personal Growth and Career Development. You had to write out. On a matrix what you're going to be doing in your one two three four five on your personal life your corporate life where you're going to live what your family's going to look like and it's amazing when you go through that i went through it five years later and it was bang on
0: no way
2: and you know it, it involved moving not only back from munna ontario to calgary and i was going to live in the okanagan i was going to build resort condominiums and uh, for the ski market and i, had, I was going to have a, a wife i was going to have two kids <laughs> in year five And it all happened. And the interesting part about that is that if you have a plan, even if it's in the back of your mind, it's subconsciously there, you can change it. But every decision you make going forward it's this little thing in the back of your mind, it knows, are you moving where you want to go?
0: So Barry, I find that really interesting because I can tell you just through our lens in our business, when we would sit down and do a strategic plan and sort of envision what the quarters or the coming years were going to look like, we, you can graph it, you can see it, we not only reach those targets but we always exceeded those targets and then you you plotted against the years that we didn't have a plan and you were like rudderless so I think that's so interesting that you you speak to the power of a plan but also that you can change it it's not cement it can change based on life or what you what you want to do different
2: it was amazing how everything kicked in except i didn't play the piano as much as i said i was going to
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. so you come out i did <coughs> notice um something in i think i read it on Riva. the very first ski development you did was in canmore and it was it the first ski uh Community. It,
2: it was, it In was, like, yeah, it was a 43 unit uh, ski condo, and I think I was 26 years old when I 26. did that. And uh, interesting, you know, I look back, and we sold them furnished. And I remember selling a a one bedroom fully furnished condo for 32,500.
0: I knew I was going to have a heart attack. A whole 32,500. The two bedrooms were so
2: 42.
0: 42. How fast could you sell that today? Uh,
2: One weekend I did it. i ran wear one one ad in the Calgary Herald on a Thursday, on a Friday, and we're sold up by Sunday. I think I priced it too cheap.
0: I think. (laughs) I think. So, okay, okay, so 26. How did you get uh, from idea, from concept to funded? And sold did you go into boardrooms and tell people you had a really good idea about building this really cool ski condominium in Canmore and you got any money or how did how did it come to be was there was there a business plan element to it and you had uh, traditional financing how'd you do it
2: well that one wasn't on my own Okay. Um, I was with a, a company a, a, a guy who was doing, had a few developments going around. And so I went up and found the land and, and he had his friends as investors um, to do that one. So I was uh, project manager, but I bought in for 10% of it at the time and, uh, and moved on from there. Later on, um, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes in the first building. You know, oh, yes. I learned about uh, construction overruns and uh, we haven't had any since. <laughs> and when you, you when you have uh, subtrades waking you up in the middle of the night uh, demanding to be paid, and you don't have the money to pay them, you um, you learn, you learn yeah. pretty quick.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's something I find interesting. You, uh, we were talking off camera about age and wisdom and knowledge and um, maybe thirty something. I. I said coming to to BC in 1998 uh, didn't know what we were coming into uh, the province was in recession I believe it was an NDP government and I was saying to Kevin all I saw uh, in fields all along the highway was, for sale hundreds of acres and lots and uh, Coldwell banker and I remember saying to my husband, what the heck is a Coldwell banker? <laughs> so uh, the, the, the province when you came to BC, Barry, what was the, what year was it or what how old were you?
2: you know it was, I was 30 years old. it was 1980
0: 1980
2: And I, my partner and I had done one 14 unit building on our own. In uh, in Calgary, and then we decided to move out here. And uh, funny enough, we, we he said one day when we were in Calgary, you know, the only reason people live in Calgary is because they don't know any better. Oh. <laughs> and I love Calgary. But, I love Alberta,
0: Calgary. Yes. But
2: you know, coming to the Okanagan where you have such a wonderful climate, we ended up moving here without any jobs, and we had each had two kids to support. And but we were gonna find something we were going to do and um, you know and we did end up starting and we started our first development in 1980 uh, called Sandringham and that was just about the time that we hit the worst uh, recession in history I mean people complain about things lately in 2008 in Canada that was nothing compared to what happened in 1981 there were there were there were zero sales in any project for you know at least six months or a year uh, and took a very long time to come out of that
0: with this pandemic that we're in uh and i do want to get back to that if we have time later but in tragedy things are born opportunities are had you're one you're one years old uh, and you're sitting in a terrible, terrible recession, and you don't have a job, what?
2: Well, we, we actually did have a job, and our partners from Calgary in the first uh, deal we did there uh, were became our partners in Kelowna okay. for, for our first deal. But in that deal, uh, we're experiencing 22% interest rates and no sales. Oh <laughs> and so you can imagine how quickly any potential profit gets gets eroded. I remember we lived on, uh, we drew $2,000 a month out of the project to live on uh, for several years. But at the end of the day, every other project went, went broke. But we, we ended up after three or four years making a profit of $20,000 on a 70 unit development. So, <laughs> but it was a struggle and we did a lot of very creative things. And, uh, you know, need benz iron, and when you're hungry and you got to make it work, we did. And it's a long story about how we pulled out of that. But uh, as a result of pulling out of that, many doors opened for us.
0: That's fascinating. So you're, um, Kevin, you're working for your dad at what age?
1: I'm, I'm just over 40. I'm 42.
0: So, yeah. but when did you first work? for your dad? When did you get to come in and start to learn and see? I think, yeah,
1: initially as a little kid, you know, growing up, um, the
0: dinner table conversation, Dinner conversation, but I also
1: cleaned a lot of crawl spaces and, and that kind of thing and cleaned up around the construction site. So I've always kind of been, uh, in the environment of land development and stuff. And then I kind of went off on my own and did my engineering career and all that kind of stuff. And then when we came, I moved back to Cologne at first opportunity, and uh, that's when we started talking about uh, doing ARIVA.
0: So, ARIVA is your first co-project, and Barry, you came out of retirement to do this, didn't you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm
2: My (laughs) wife made me
0: (laughs) I love that. ARIVA is a really neat project because it, it has elements of you in in living well and enjoying life in maybe the stage that you're at and wanting um, things that you think others may want and it comes from you in in am I correct in building and and well certified that's that's a a collaborative endeavor.
2: That's right. Yeah. Well, Kevin's really been in charge of being the moving force behind the well certification. And the well certification just really fit into what we were doing. Because what we're doing is is unique in Canada. There's nothing nothing like it. Um, and you know, we've built, uh, built uh, you know, a dozen of Canada's very finest adult communities, and you'd see them in the valley, and Predator Ridge. And we learned a lot from those. Um, and what we, you know what, I don't think I did well enough in the uh, in the adult communities. I mean, I'm very proud of them, they've got beautiful recreation centers, but when you have a demographic like that, there's an opportunity to create an incredible social environment mm-hmm. and a community. Mm-hmm. And we did it a little bit, but we didn't do it as well as we could have. Um, Brad Pelche up at Predator, we were doing it at Predator, and Brad Pelche, since they bought Predator from us, has done an incredible job of building a community up there. Uh, We're taking that and throwing in a few steroids. And so what we have done is redesigned uh, the concept behind um, the communities that we built before and said, okay, well, how do we create this community, this really strong community that doesn't exist anywhere? And we said, okay, well, the first thing we had to do is is, uh, we've got to have a central hub, uh, a social hub for people to come. And So we designed the development around a bistro and a wine bar. Mm-hmm. Wine bars are good. And mm-hmm. and, a, and a, uh, a Lakeview Terrace as a place where people can come yeah. and meet any time of the day. And they'll meet their neighbors and they start to grow uh, a community just by meeting their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing we did is we uh, put in all the amenities that you can imagine for you know, our demographic. but amenities alone won't do it Um, I'd rather have a barn with great programming than all the best amenities in the world that sit there idle Mm -hmm. so and I know that all of us will do a great deal more if someone else organizes fun stuff to do so we're going to have an activities coordinator who is going to bring these amenities to life and I could go on and on about all the things that we've got with uh, the fleet of e-bikes and the water aerobics Mm -hmm. classes the art classes we've got one of our purchasers from. Uh, Vernon is is a well-known artist and is going to do some art classes for us. We have uh, a lady from Ontario who's a a culinary artist who's going to do having cooking classes already. So we're going to feed on the people within the community and we're going to have you know travel trips and places where people can go and do many things uh, uh, many things together. So it's that social community and my favorite sorry to ramble here yes. <laughs> my favorite is we have designed uh, an outdoor community barbecue area with a four oven and a demonstration kitchen and a dance floor and a place for a musician where we'll have regular community barbecues uh for more than a hundred people each time and i can't imagine anybody wanting to miss those but those will be an unbelievable community grower and and get to know your neighbors and find out what your neighbors like to do and do things with your neighbors. And we've got a, a quite a few actually single ladies who it's particularly good for. I don't know where the single men are, but the, <laughs> the single ladies are there. And they're going to, they're going to, it's going to be even better for them with all the social interaction they've gotten be, be able to do things, people to travel with that type of thing.
0: So it's so fascinating to me that, that they're, I mean, you, you exude it. There's there's an ability to build with purpose, and it's not always um, like just a spreadsheet and a business. It isn't always through the through the lens of business, and it and and it's and it's refreshing uh, to see that quality of life and um, connection of people is is very much a driver.
2: Well you notice I had didn't say one word about the fact that we have the finest condominiums in the valley and then we do and I could I could go on and on about those what this is about it's about building a community like no other.
0: Yeah so I want to talk about that I am and I think anybody that lives here, and it's back to your statement in in Calgary, which I find oh, funny. Yeah, I, should uh, be so. <laughs> I think the Okanagan is, I do, I believe it's one of, if not the best place in Canada to live. To live, I think it's incredible. I think the future is awfully bright for the region. Um, I'd be curious. Uh, what you think of the future for the population and developments, and and really, uh, and I know this is a loaded question because I know we have limited land, I know we have limited resources. I know we have we only have so much uh, available. But I, I look at some of the projections through UDI and um, uh, interprovincial immigration into the province and and you look at the ubco and oc and our grads are graduating and they're staying Mm -hmm. very so (laughs) right but but they couldn't get jobs before and and so again i worry as we talk about affordability and attainability in that demographic and that future i'm curious what you i mean won't hold you to it but crystal ball what do you think the region's going to be in the next five ten fifteen years
2: you know you said this is one of the nicest places to live in canada if there was a better place in the world to live i'd be living there <laughs> i mean this is this is as good you as it listen, gets yeah. anyway and, and i've been around the world but kevin will tell you yeah. everywhere and nothing compares to kelowna so you know you don't need a great crystal ball you don't need the statistics about uh, what the UDI is saying and all this just use your own uh-huh. mind exactly. <laughs> When you've got this and we now have more people understanding that they can work remotely.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean it, It's this is a no-brainer uh, that what's going to happen But you say it's it's you know, how do we manage it? Mm-hmm. it how yeah. to manage the growth and uh, as much as I always disagreed with uh, the planners on many many things oh. uh, They've got a tough job uh, to be able to uh, Uh, do this right and some of the academic ideas coming out of the universities are um, not to my liking but they uh, if they can maybe uh, bring in some of some other opinions other than the ones that they brought from the university that would be helpful
0: interesting interesting
2: some old school craft
0: yeah yeah. Well, then, well,
2: more of more like, of market, more of an understanding of the market, and telling instead of telling the market or telling the people how they should live, you know, encourage them. I mean, create environments where it encourages your vision of what this should look like, instead of ramming it down people's throats, which is what's happening.
0: Okay, I don't want to set you up for <laughs> any um, uh, ridiculous comments, and I and I and I I don't think I am so. I'm curious because I I was saying to Kevin, I'm 50-something, I think I'm 53, and and I've had the pleasure of um, living in a single home for 23 years in Kelowna that has been able to house our mothers as we took care of them as they got older. It was able to take care of our three children and all the kids that we billeted at the Rockets and 15 kids' sleepovers that from from baseball teams and things. So we've, we've had that picket fence, the multiple children, the dogs and the cats. I have noticed, and again, I'm going to say, I'm not fussy for the um, dictating of the type of home that you are allowed to have or, or you have to live in because I don't think a 600 or 800 square foot Home can hold a stinky hockey bag, uh, <laughs> so I think you need choice. And I, I'm, I'm. Do we have choice in the? In the I region? don't know. It's
2: becoming more restrictive. You know, the. But you're absolutely right. You know, when you're younger and you're single and you live downtown in an okay. urban environment, but when you have kids and you want to raise the kids, just as the all these some of these people who are voting against having single family homes had the luxury of growing up in them and Mm. and then one now i don't it's so wrong for them to deprive the freedom of people having that choice in the future so i i I would hate to raise a family in an urban environment i know some people do it and i guess if you're in new york you've got to do that but you don't have to do that in Kelowna, and uh, We've got elbow room, we're not that short of space that we can't go uh, go elsewhere. Anyway, I don't have any developments that are good requiring that type of land. I just hate to see uh, this artificial pressure from the academics being forced down people's throats without a consideration for what the market wants.
0: Absolutely. And, and that's the where market, affordability
1: will come in. Yes. Yeah. It, that's the, what you're talking about is the affordability almost crisis in Kelowna. It's it not gonna improve, it's gonna get worse unless we provide a diversity of product product types.
0: And and that I don't think you have to be a rocket science to run that calculation. It no. is supply and demand. So if we aren't supplying the demand, we are gonna push up those those prices. So if um what would you tell someone that was twenty two or twenty three that wants to be a developer when they grow up?
2: First of all, keep your overhead low. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I started out, I was able to... Uh, I didn't want to go into a job where I was relying on the income and, you know, buying a car or something on time. I I wanted to uh, stay liquid. So I was able, to, I figured I was able to live on about $1,000 a month, but I wanted a percentage of the action from the guy who I was um, going to work for, and so I, I brought it in that way. But it's very difficult to jump into the entrepreneurial world when you go to high overhead and, and you've got a family to feed and, and those type of things. So that's when you need to be creative and tenacious. Uh, to You want it so bad you've got, to, you've got to figure out a way where how can somebody help you financially and you share the profits with them I mean, most of our developments around here, I mentioned before, when we came out of that 1981 as the only developers who survived, we had a lot of people. We had the Bennetts and the Stewarts and people with major landholdings coming to us, and we would do a development with them. We were able to do quite large developments and say, okay, well, we'll do a development with you, but you don't get paid for your land until we get paid. Mm-hmm. And they came in and they were became our partners. And they did. They got very good deals on this, and it made us able, enabled us to be able to proceed uh, with um, not so much uh, cash requirement. And we phased things mm-hmm. uh, and made them into the smallest phases. There's a lot of little tricky things we did, but uh, uh, you become quite creative.
0: Creative, Kevin. You've had the opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn from a legend
1: this is our like regular dinner conversation (laughs) yeah
0: what what are you uh you're you're going to get the baton or you have the baton uh i think barry has built an incredible legacy Mm -hmm. Uh, and i know that you mentioned barry's name and and many know it what um What do you hope to do or what would be meaningful for you in your future
1: years? Yeah, I think, you know, um, growing up with big ambitions and learning from my dad and being in that environment growing up um, for four years, um, you know, I definitely want to push how we uh, create and and we talked about community. um, So it's not just building uh, four walls and a window. And a front door, right? We want people to live happier and healthier lives, and I feel like there's a lot of ways we can do that um, while you know keeping considerations for the environment in hand and doing things energy efficiently. And um, there's just it, it's becoming more complicated, and I feel like I want to try to push the boundaries on a lot of a lot of um, I guess the way we, the way we envision housing and how we live, and and you know, and I'm a huge supporter of the Okanagan, so um, it's not just for me; it's for the whole community. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I thank both of you so much for coming in and spending time with me and I hope it inspires people that haven't yet looked at the Okanagan to take a peek at us. I think we're an incredible community and I think our, I, think our future is very bright. I do too. Thank you both. Don't invite
2: too many people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're coming no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Right. Thank you. Thanks.